So last Wednesday was your first time. Yeah. You guys were getting down. I don't remember. He sang. He, your, your friend, isn't it? He's, he started singing. He started like leading it. It was. It, yeah, we, I, we got a little clip of it. He was getting down. I like the part where he was like, Hi, Rama. Rama, Rama. <laughs> this is the first time here. He's singing it, but he had to check the board first. <laughs> it was good. So, um, how many of you have ever watched a cartoon before? Okay, have a, a Japanese animation cartoon. All right. So, um, I put out a little post on the Book of Faces. You've all heard of that. Um, right before the uh, I've heard Mac Miller's album Faces oh. Ooh, okay. so this is my son for Halloween and the quote is an often said quote in Japanese cartoons this isn't even my final form <laughs> so there'll be like a like a lot of these Japanese animation cartoons somebody will be fighting another person and then the person will use some like powers or he'll just like scream really loud blah, blah, and he'll like his muscles will bulge bigger and or he'll transform and then he gets like he's like 15 times stronger or like 100 times stronger and then he says this is not even my final form <laughs> so this is my son um, on Halloween he is dressed as the Virat Rupa. Virat Rupa. Virat Rupa. Which means, Virat means universe. And Rupa means form. Universal form. And that is actually depicted in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Actually, 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita is divided into four sections. R-U-P-A. Rupa. So in the beginning of the 12th chapter, Arjuna, he is hearing Krishna describe uh, his uh, universal presence. How he is, he is not the sum total of everything, but everything is within him. And that uh, all the different uh, excellences found within the universe can be understood to be expressions of his divinity. And so he says, you can see uh, the sun and the moon as my eyes. Because everybody's seen the sun and the moon. Actually, uh, if you think about it, without the sun or the moon, you can't see. Without light, you can't see. And that's the, the soul within the material world has different defects. And one of them is that our senses are limited. Turn off the light, no seeing possible. Or uh, we 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 hear something. We not we not we're not exactly sure what we heard. Or we may see something, and we may mistake it for something else. The very common example given in the Vedas is a person sees a rope and mistakes it for a snake. And we were actually in the Holy Land of India. Um, we were there in February. This gentleman, his friend, helped us out in Delhi. But actually. Prior to that visit, we uh, were there three years before with our kids, and there was this little boy, 
maybe about nine or so. And he had a thin string attached to a rope right after the sun had set. And he was just walking down the dirt road. It looked exactly like a snake. <laughs> it's a thin string attached to a thick rope. And he's, just, he's, just, and he's just out there to you know, make people jump or something. <laughs> um, I could tell it was a rope, but my wife would like turn cold, you know, because um, she's extremely afraid of snakes, you know. Even just the word, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was one time at a mall and she was thinking like she might like attack the snake that someone had. She might like to try to kill it. Cause she's just so like naturally just like, uh, they call it irrational fear. But uh, we've all lived many lives so we don't know what kind of so-called irrational fears we have. That we actually experiences from past lives. Anyway, so um, because we're conditioned, we have these limitations. So in the Gita, 12th chapter, Arjuna is, is he's hearing all these different, uh, different aspects, like the sun and the moon are my eyes. The, uh, the, um, you can see, of, of men, I am the king. Of letters, I am the letter A. Of... Um, Mountains, I am Mount Meru, and I'm out of, of movable things, I'm the Himalaya. So why, I, you want to ask, like, well, why didn't he say the Himalayas for mountains? He said, because apparently Meru is bigger, but it can move. <laughs> and movable things, he's Himalayas. Uh, of, so he goes to all these different... And so then Arjuna, after some point, he says, well, can you show me these things? Can you show me all those things at once. Can you show me your universal form? So it starts off with that request. So R is for request. And so that's the first uh, four verses. And then Krishna begins to reveal, and he says, I, the only way you can see this is that I've granted you special eyes to see this universal form, divine eyes. You can see all things that you desire past, present, or you may want to see in the future. You can see all things within the universe in one place. All times within the universe at one time. And so Arjuna is witnessing this. And actually, the um, Bhagavad Gita is a conversation between a warrior and his best friend, who happens to be the supreme personality of Godhead and the form of God walking on earth and he happens to be his best friend and at the time the world had been overrun with dark forces and so Krishna had mystically arranged uh, all these bad guys to get to get together and fight each other and Arjuna he was on the good side but as a saintly person, he's very soft-hearted. A person who is not saintly, they don't, they think only what, how do I benefit? And they don't second-guess that, whatever. You know, it's like, if, if I'm the beneficiary, then I do it. 
but a saintly person will really examine their motives and their actions very, very carefully. So Arjuna, maybe they can close the door upstairs. Yeah. It's easier to... So Arjuna, being a very saintly person, he... And a saintly person means also very, very compassionate, very empathetic. He said, okay, all these guys are very evil. And they're trying to take over the world. And I know it's my job to protect the citizens that are under my care. But I know these people, so it's kind of very hard for me to deal with that. It, I, this is, you know, one of them is my, my, he was my guru, my teacher. He taught me how to fight. He's my grandfather. There's my uncle and my cousins. And uh, I can understand, but it's, it's just so, so close to home. That, And so then Krishna begins to explain how actually the soul is different from the body. And that... Uh, how to see, how to be on the spiritual platform, even on the most difficult situation. Now, you you find that this is actually quite amazing because this literature is spoken on a battlefield con and in convincing somebody to fight, but there was ne you don't find historically anybody like you know killing people in the name of God of the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. You don't find that historically. That's not happening because it's actually. Uh, explained in a very, very clear manner. You know, Arjuna, he was a warrior. Just like, say you have been trained as a police officer and your nature is to protect people. You just, you know, that's your nature. You may endanger yourself just to save somebody. And somebody is beating up an old lady. Um, so, but you want to be spiritual? Do you, you know, say, okay, I'm just going to stand here. Um, yeah. you, you may have to actually use those those uh, abilities, that training to use, but uh, your motivations have to be correct. That's the problem. That's the, the situation. Yet your motivations have to be completely without um, your own desire for your own benefit, but actually just to be a proper conduit for the supreme. So you know, all moral, but it's it even. Even if it's moral, you wanted to have it that it's not even your own desire. You just want to be a proper example. And so Arjuna is asking, can you show me this universal form? Let's see. There's some really... I like the, the Sanskrit in these, this chapter. Anetravatram nayanam anekadbhuta darshanam anekadhivyabharanam divyavanokabhadyutam divyalambaradharam divyadgandhanulepanam sarvashraya mayam devam anantam vishvatomukam. So Arjuna saw in that universal form, unlimited mouths. So you saw the. There's. I will show you. Um, Let's see if we can find it. So there is a, there's a picture in the Bhagavad Gita. Actually, it's probably in this print right here, of this universal form, with thousands and thousands of arms. Take a look. You see it. So my son said. I want to be that for Halloween. <laughs> How do we do that? <laughs> unlimited mouths, unlimited eyes, unlimited wonderful visions. 
This form was decorated with many celestial ornaments and bore many divine upraised weapons. He wore celestial garments, garlands and garments, and many divine scents were smeared all over his body. All was wondrous, brilliant, unlimited, and ever-expanding. So it says if you, can, if you had a hundreds of thousands of suns in the sky, were to rise at once, their radiance might resemble the radiance of this form. So there's all these really um, vivid and kind of awe-inspiring um, verse, slokas or verses in this chapter. He says, I see Brahma, I see Shiva, I see all the divine beings within you. Uh, you have no end, no middle, no beginning. And so... One of the one of the features of this is that it there are different levels of realization of God. Like um, we often give an example of if you could imagine if there was somebody who had never seen a train before, and so you got some kind of Aborigines or they have they you know they live in a very simple village, but they heard that there's a nearby train station being built and there's something called the train that they can come and see. And so, one, fam one, one, one father, leader of, you know, of a village, he goes, there's three villages, and he sees the train. What does he see? First he sees it from afar, so what does he see? The light, smoke. The light and smoke. It's like a, what do you call it? Wizard of Oz, lights and smoke. <laughs> He just, he just feels the, the rumble and the light and smoke. And he runs home and he tells his friends and family, what's a train? And he said, a train is a big, bright light. And it shakes the ground. Wow. Very cool. <laughs> Next guy, was, the other first one was a little too excited, so he just ran home to his village. The second one, he stayed a little longer. And then he began to see uh, the f some form of the train. They saw uh, before there, there was no perceivable form. Another example is when you see a mountain from a distance, it's two-dimensional. Just no perceivable depth to it. And then you get closer, you see uh, houses and stuff. And then you get really close and you drink the water in the mountain. Yeah. See it see from, from the peak. And so this um, second villager, he stays, he sees the train. What does he see? He sees the gears, he sees the smokestack, sees people coming in and off, carrying their luggage. And the last guy, he gets on the train. He stays longer, gets on the train. He meets the train conductor. The train conductor shows him some things, how, how things are operating. Now, that's a modern example, but the traditional example given in the ancient Vedic literature of India is that there's the sunlight, which is all pervasive. Then there's the sun globe. And then there's the sun god. So um, oftentimes there is a debate, is God personal? Or is God impersonal? What do you think? 
No idea. Personal? Both. <laughs> is the sunlight the sun? Or is the sun globe the sun? Both. Both. Yes. Um, one, one kind of rests upon the other. One kind of is, is a, uh, uh, as Krishna says in the Gita, Brahmano Pratishtaham. Pratishta means the spiritual energy is situated upon me. So, um, one of the conclusions of um, our tradition is that God is the supreme person. But He is also the supreme impersonal. But the supreme person is the, the, the resting place or the support of the impersonal. Like the, you have the energy and the energetic. Like we have our power and our powerhouse. And even a powerhouse, you all the way go back, there's some guy there, there's a person that's making it happen. So behind the light is a light bulb. Behind the sunlight is the sun globe. There's a form that precedes the non-form. And a very simple argument that is given, very simple argument. Uh, Mars, would you think that the sun is cold? And why don't you think the sun is cold? Because I get hot. You get hot. You live in Texas. Yeah. Good, good answer. Uh, a, um, a less potent example would be, an uh, answer would say, would be uh, because the scientists have told me, because then that's some faith. But you, all you got to do is go outside, and then there's not faith. It's an actual pratyaksha, an experience. And so... And the conclusion that the sun is hot is based on the logic of what is called satkarivad. You know something about the cause when you look at its effects. So if the sunlight is hot, then we logically say that the sun itself must be so much more potent form of that same thing. Light and heat. More pure, potent form of that. So in this room, we find people. So what does that say? That the source must have persona, must have form. Like what does a person mean? There's character, there's interaction, there's relationships, there are um, activities, there's behaviors. So the source has to be the supreme form of that. Like, um, like we all may possess a certain amount of beauty or we may possess a certain degree or type of an intelligence or a certain type of beauty or a certain degree or type of wealth. But the supreme is that thing or that being or that person that has all those things in full. Now, the only way you can have intelligence is to be a person. It's not an impersonal thing. And so, universal form is kind of a stepping stone for a person to, everything person, yeah, to kind of begin to grasp that God is a person. It's not, it's not really a, uh, the absolute form of God because the universal form is made out of things material and God is not material. So it's kind of like him revealing himself but not revealing fully. It's not really him, his true self.
just like um, George is an artist. So you can know something about George through his art, or you read somebody's book, their presence is within the book, but George isn't the painting. And you know, the author isn't actually the book. Uh, like, you know, the book you know, falls in water, the author doesn't you know, get soaking wet or something. It's actually different. So similarly that all these energies are um, the, the um, energy of God, but he is also the energetic and distinct from it. Does that make any sense? So universal form is cool because it kind of gives a, if someone is hesitant to see God as a person, it's like a stepping stone. But it's not so personal. Like sun and the moon are your eyes, but you know, try to talk and you know, look at somebody, the sun, it's like, ah. Actually, what happens to Arjuna, Arjuna, as I said earlier, is actually God's best, one of his best friends. He, he, he has no need to get enlightened because he's already way past enlightenment. He is not only achieved perfection, he's past perfection. Uh, you may ask, wait, how you, how, what is past perfection? So there's, there's what is called perfect, and there's more perfect and most perfect. In the, in the spiritual world, the living entities are always eager to deepen their, their perfection. So Arjuna, he sees this form, and this form is an, uh, the form kind of expressing the potent energies of the, the Lord within this world. And the material world is actually kind of a scary place. So the form is actually quite scary. And also it's to illustrate that he doesn't have to worry about this battle because it's all divine arrangement and that he's behind everything. Is for me? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Water. <laughs> Might as well drink it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll read some verses. Is that cool? All right, so let's... And like I said, this isn't even the final form. So we're going to get to the final form at the end. And the final form, just to give you, is not fearful. It is sweet. Very, very sweet. So he's Arjuna's offering some uh, prayers. He said, you are the unlimited, the supreme primal objective. You are the ultimate resting place of all this universe. You're inexhaustible. You're the oldest. You're the maintainer of eternal religion, O personality of God. This is my opinion. You're without origin, middle or end. Your glory is unlimited. You have numberless arms. The sun and moon are your eyes. Sometimes he repeats himself, which is odd because he's just, usually in Sanskrit literature, there's like all these rules, but he's just like, He's just like freaking out when he sees this form. It's like too much to take in. Um, I see blazing fire. This is where it gets like, like scary. Coming forth from your mouth, burning this entire universe with your radiance. Although you are one, you spread throughout the sky and the planets and all space between. Oh, great one, seeing this wonderful and terrible form, all the planetary systems are disturbed. 
all the hosts of demigods are surrendering before you and entering into you. Some of them, very much afraid, are offering prayers with folded hands. A host of great sages and perfected beings are crying, All peace! Shanti! Shanti! Are praying to you singing the Vedic hymns. So it describes different types of divine, you know, beings that are above humans, demigods. Almighty mm. oh, One, all the planets and their demigods are disturbed but seeing your great form with its many faces, eyes, arms, thighs, legs, and bellies, and your terrible teeth as they are disturbed, so am I. O oh, pervading Vishnu, seeing you in your many radiant colors touching the sky, your gaping mouths, and your great glowing eyes, my mind is perturbed by fear. I can no longer maintain my steadiness or equilibrium of mind. O oh, Lord of Lords, a refuge of the worlds, be gracious upon me. I cannot keep my balance, seeing your blazing, death-like faces and awful teeth. I'm, in all directions, I am bewildered. Oh, man, this next, this next verse. So he's fighting in this battle. And, hey, how's it going, bro? Now, because of Krishna's presence on that battlefield, the bad characters, the good characters, they all, it's like, a, they all got the golden ticket. <laughs> it's like you're, you're a free ticket to the spiritual world because there's a divine, the divine being is there and you're di divine, dying in the presence of the divine being. So even if you're totally, totally rotten, it's like, it's like, oh, good, like, that's like the, fast pass. yeah, fast pass <laughs> lottery, like just very, you know, one in quadrillion, chances. All the sons of Dhritarashtra, along with their allied kings and Bhishma, Drona, Karna, and our chief soldiers also, even the good guys, are rushing into your fearful mouths. And I see some trapped with heads smashed between your teeth. As many waves of rivers enter an ocean, so do all these great warriors enter your blazing mouth. I see all people rushing full speed into your mouths as moths dashed into a destructive fire. I see you devouring all people from all sides with your flaming mouths. So anyone guess what does this, this form mean also? Because this, this, this kind of symbol, everything is getting destroyed. He's going to say what, what he is representing. Any guess? Destroy your and what is that? What is the destroy of worlds? Well, I'm not sure. Okay, it's, it's, you're just, you got it. It's like on the tip of your tongue. He destroys worlds. But what is it that destroys the worlds? So. Time I am. Time. See, if anybody says, I don't believe in God. I said, have you ever heard of time? It's, it controls everything. <laughs> If you don't, uh, you got to at least believe in time, come on. <laughs> are, you, are you free from the subject of the influence, the destructive influence of time? Yeah. Oh Lord, oh Lord, so fierce a form, please tell me who you are. I offer my obeisances unto you. Please great gracious unto me. Now, he's actually kind of distancing his relationship. He's already like at the high level. He's kind of getting like a little bit further away. And then um, 
and then Krishna doesn't really appreciate that. He doesn't appreciate it either. He's, there's a higher level than this kind of worship of God in fear and reverence. You know, a lot of sometimes um, different religious systems in the past have invoked fear to try to get people to you know follow what they want them to do or you know like you know, you're gonna burn, you're gonna whatever. But it actually co- yeah, to coerce you to to you know give some money or something. <laughs> but it also inhibits some of the actual natural nature of the soul, which is to love the supreme. You are the prime of a Lord, prime, primal Lord. I want to know about you. I do not know what your mission is. Kalosmi Lokakshayakrit Pravido. The Supreme Personality of God had said, Time I am, the great destroyer of the worlds. I have come here to destroy all people. With the exception of you, the Pandavas, the soldiers on both these sides will be slain. Now, one of his mission in that avatar as the whole world was overburdened with, with uh, not even almost like humans, they were like superhumanly powerful warriors, both good and on the bad, you know, on the bad side. Like you know, there there's what is called Arata. Arata is a warrior. Um, he can fight uh, many warriors single-handedly. Then there's a Maharata. A Maharata is a man who could fight a thousand people on his own. And then there is what is called an Atirata. Atirata is a person who is so, uh, he has all kinds of mystical martial arts, um, physical skills, mystical skills, that he could fight a whole army by himself. And so the world was overburdened with like these super warriors. It's kind of an alien invasion. Alien invasion story by the Gita. <laughs> and so Krishna came just to like reduce the burden of the earth. He said, You guys just need to all duke it out and disappear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he says, Therefore, get up, prepare to fight, and win glory. Conquer your enemies and enjoy a flourishing kingdom. They're already put to death by my arrangement. Oh, and you, O oh, Savya Sachi, can be but an instrument in the fight. Jonah, Bhishma, Jayadrata, Karna, and all the other great warriors have already been destroyed by me. Therefore, kill them. Do not be disturbed. Simply fight, and you will vanquish your enemies in battle. So Arjuna, he begins to offer some more prayers and then he says he's offering all these prayers and then he's then he's uh, then he's kind of feeling like uh, maybe I was a little too familiar with you because I'm really getting a picture that you're God and you know I you know sometimes you're like we're like just like sitting on bed together just you know having our bro date you know having a good time you know, and I, you know, maybe said some jokes, you know, at your at your expense, or, um, you know, so please excuse me, please excuse me. Now, um, what do you think God appreciates more, the very official, reverential, ritualistic worship, or someone being his really best friend? 
what, what would you, what kind of affection would, would you strive to find in life? Someone who does some rituals and like, <laughs> excuse me, like, or just a good friend. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's comfortable being themselves. Yes, yeah. So one time when Krishna was a child, his friends were, um, what Krishna's brother went to his ma mom and said, Ma, Krishna was eating dirt. He was eating dirt. And he said, Mom, they're lying. They're lying. Uh, actually, he was lying. <laughs> but uh, he said, Ma, they're lying. We're playing a game. And they're picking on me. You know, I lost the game, now they're picking on me. And so she knows, don't trust Krishna. He's a naughty kid. So that's the name of the class, don't trust Krishna. <laughs> 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 so, um, so she said, Krishna, if you're not eating dirt, then open your mouth. And so she, Krishna opens his mouth. And then what does he see? What does she see? She sees more than dirt. She sees universes. You know, universes have a lot of dirt in them. You know, it's like planets, a lot of dirt. <laughs> she sees the universes inside his mouth. And planets and all the necessary ingredients of creation. And she sees all you know, angels and humans. And then she sees a planet and then she sees herself on the planet <laughs> looking, at his, looking at his mouth. And then she's like, and he doesn't like it. So he's just like, and she's like, oh, my baby. And she just forgets all about it. And so we'll, there, there is what is called maya. You've heard this term? So maya means illusion. And so what is the illusion that, we, that everybody in this world is in right now? Reality? We all think we're the body. And we think this is our reality. We're eternal beings trying to hold on to everything in a temporary world and thinking it's, oh, this is my, this is me, my body. I'm, you know, Caucasian. I'm black. I'm Hispanic. I'm such and such. I'm a Republican. I'm this and that. But I'm a Democrat. I'm a tree-hugging activist. I am a Nazi or whatever. We think we are our physical identity bodies, but actually we're not. We've had billions of bodies, billions of lifetimes. But we think this one is me. Now, even the body you have today, that wasn't the body born with. Not one cell in it today was there at birth. It's all been replaced. It's, you've already reincarnated already in this life. You've changed your body. But while we're in the body, we think, this is me. We think the car is me. And then when we're hungry, we start doing things for the car. And the driver's not getting fed. And so we're feeling dissatisfaction. Um, there's like the, this old movie it's came, it was like back when the dinosaurs were around called The Matrix <laughs> so, yeah. so the person had the, the idea is like you, we're living in what we thought was our reality but it's not we, 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 uh, we have our own place all the saints and scriptures and religions will say this place is not your place. Don't invest in it. It's temporary, and you're not. So it's a bad marriage. You're eternal. You're seeking that type of eternality that you're actually used to because you're not born. You're not, you're not created. You're eternal. 
You don't have a start. You don't have an end. Like 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 the God doesn't have a start and end. Like the you know the the sunlight shares the quality like the sun. So the soul shares the quality like God. And so that illusion, that Maya, allows the soul, those souls who want to not be a part of the Supreme, want to kind of have their own independent existence, to play in a playground called the material world. But after many, many lifetimes, the soul actually begins to gain wisdom and begins to see that you know, no matter how many comforts, no matter how many, uh, how successful I get in my life together, material things, material situations, even uh, the relationships we have don't bring the type of satisfaction that the soul is really seeking. It's, it's, there's something else missing out of it. And so uh, when that illusion becomes more and more clear, the person begins to see themselves as an eternal being, and that they have, uh, they're part of a greater picture. Just like the hand is part of the body, and when the hand works with the body, if a hand actually decides not to feed the body, then the hand doesn't benefit, it suffers. But if the hand feeds the body, then it's nourished. So if the soul is engaged in yoga, or connecting to God, then he becomes satisfied. But there is another type of maya. So we said this maya kind of keeps the distance, makes us live in this, what we think is our reality. You know, and we, we think everything, you know, this business is so important, my, you know, my plan is so important. And then, you know, happy death day comes and you can't take any of it with you. you know, happy death day to you, you can't take it with you. <laughs> Yeah. They can't take it either with you. Yeah. But then there's another type of maya that exists in the spiritual world that brings the person really close. Not far, but closer. So, um, your name is? Isabel. Isabel. So, in this world, you have different kinds of loving or affectionate relationships. Can you name one? Money. Relationships, like individuals. Oh, what are the different? Parents. Parents, so uh, family, family, love, friends. okay. Friends. Uh, my dog. Dog, okay, pets. Okay. Colleagues. Colleagues. Romance, yeah. romantic. So you have, there are five, there, there are some other categories, but there are five primary affectionate relationships, and it is, it's kind of a spectrum. So on the bottom, the least intimate relationship is somebody you have some um, reverence for some quality or some talent, but you actually don't interact with them. Like you may, may be an artist or a musician or some famous person, some teacher, somebody you never really met them, but you really are in awe with that certain qualities that they have. Ah oh man, that person's like give their poster or something. I don't know. like to share their quotes. Or. Then the next level 
would be similar like that, that respect and awe, but somebody that ha has had a personal interaction with you. Um, so that respect and awe means that it's not a kind of, you're not, you don't treat the person equally, you kind of hold them above you, like maybe they're, they're your teacher, you know, your you know, samurai, your martial arts teacher. <laughs> You know, you have a lot of respect for them. It's not like you don't just try to, you know, you're my equal, hey buddy. No, no, you're like, no, no, I, I respect you. You're my, you're, yeah, I hold you above me. Then in the, in the next level would be friendship. Now friends, you know, just gotta throw the respect out the window. I mean, really, you, gotta, you have to be equal. So it can't be respect to the point that it's the person's above you. It's, they're really, like, we're equals. So your friend could hold uh, a, a huge position within the government. But if you're really friends, it's like, you don't, it, the discussion doesn't go that you're not really interested in, you know, yeah, friends, the prime minister of France or whatever, you know. But what, we can't say the president of the United States because then the mind just starts going all over the place. <laughs> You, 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 in classes, people that would be like your friend, maybe the president. Of the United, but now we don't say that anymore because it's just too distracting. <laughs> then the, everybody's mind begins to wander, <laughs> and yoga means to bring the mind on focus. <laughs> um, so, and then you have all kinds of relationships, family relationships, and then the most intimate family relationship would be the love of the mother that the ha has for the child. That is a uh, least conditional relationship. And then, and then higher on the spectrum, it has qualities that are not even found in that, is the romantic relationship, five primary. Um, now, we already discussed that the God is, should be the source of everything. So shouldn't those qualities be found in the supreme or in the spiritual world? Like, usually you find the, and we kind of guess what the spiritual world would be. It's like less than this world. It's totally monotone. You know, there's no colors. It's just white. And, then, you know, and there's a being that doesn't have much character other than just being angry and old. And, um, but this world is actually the one that has less qualities. It is the reflection. When you see a reflection of an apple in the mirror, you can't taste it, you can't touch it, you can't smell it, you can't see half of it. This, it's li more limited than the actual uh, uh, object. So in the spiritual world, you have the real representation of romance, the real representation of parental love. Here, you have the perverted or inverted uh, reflection of it, where there's friendship, but there's also personal calculation. You know, what do I get out of it? And those, if something changes, and maybe the friendship's over, the, the, even the romance is over, if something changes, uh, the money goes away, or the person stops looking this way, or you know, another person starts looking that way. Then, you know, so it's, it's very conditional. So if you were to interview people in Dallas, or if you had, you know, now you don't need a big camera, you might using a phone, and say, 
what kind of relationship do you envision that you would have with God in the spiritual world? What would people say? They would say, what do you think? On that spectrum. Five being the really intimate, your, your God's you know, girlfriend and, or romantic, or, or the least intimate, that you're the, or maybe even a servant. Number two. All of them. Most people would say all of them. Not you. What would um, what would what would people? <laughs> well, depends on you know their humility. I believe a lot of people would say they're you know like servant you know, yeah. because they haven't met him yet. You know they think. Yeah. That, you know? <laughs> and all of them have this mood of service. Actually, mm-hmm. that's the underlying that the tr- love is a verb. It's a serve. It's to serve. You know, we're in this world and we think. Um, if we are served, then we become, we'll be, that's, that's our hallmark of success. We'll be happy if things are serving us. You know, our phones are serving us, if pe- people are serving us, we have, you know, bank account is serving us, we're, this, we're the, the, the enjoyer, and we're the one being served. But if actually the soul becomes happy when it serves, when it's not receiving, when it's giving love. That's the nature of the soul. Like, even in relationships, if a person doesn't have somebody to offer their love, we'll find a cat or a dog we can offer our love. You know, somebody, somebody's got to want to offer our love. We want to, we want to serve someone. Um, like a, one of my teachers, he, he's from Germany, and he came to America in, in the seventies, and he, he saw this big limo. And he thought, you know, who's, who's Frank Sinatra's going to come out? Who's going to come out? He was all excited because he was, it was the first time in America and there's a big limo. It's got to be somebody, you know, maybe he thought maybe it's somebody famous. And so this lady came out. She had like her skin all pulled back. She was like probably like 82 or something, but she had plastic surgery. She was all like <laughs> squeezed back like that. <laughs> I don't know. And so she, uh, she came out. And then she uh, um, opened the, t- the back, the door of a limo, and this little dog comes out. <laughs> and the dog does its business in the grass, and then she takes a cloth and she <laughs> wipes the <laughs> <laughs> So the tendency of wanting to be of service is there. <laughs> It's always there. We want to, <laughs> but that tendency isn't really truly satisfied unless it's it's like if a hand takes the food for itself, it's not really satisfied. But if it gives the food to the other parts of the body, it doesn't really get the job done either. It has to feed the stomach. So for love to be completely satisfied, it has to be in connection to the Supreme. Now, it does involve others. That that's, comes at the end of this. I'll just, just skip to the end. So he's offering some prayers. He's, like I said, he's feeling kind of like ashamed for being too close with him. And so Krishna says, Happily I've shown you this form no one has seen this primal form of mine before, unlimited, full of glaring effulgence. Um, uh, this cannot be seen by study of the Vedas, by charity, or pious activities. 
Um, your mind has been disturbed and perturbed by this horrible feature of mine. Let it be finished. My devotee, be free again from all disturbance with the peaceful nine. And you can now see the form you desire. And so then he displayed his forearm form, which is more of a form of God being kind of like in the position of God, not like this horrible form of the universe of the material world, but just as this the, the, the Lord of everything. But then he shows his two-arm form, which is like God at home. You know, like it's like taking off the, the, the blazer. Huh? And he's just being kind of sweet and chill. Like, like you may see the um, chief justice of the United States and you say, your honor. But at home, the grandson is, you know, jumping on his back and saying, giddy up, giddy up, horsey. And it's the same person, but there's a totally different kind of look and mood that is there. You went to the court and said, giddy up, and jumped on his back. Yes, you'd be in really big trouble. And so Arjuna says, seeing this human-like form, which is so beautiful, I'm now composed in mind, and I'm restored to my original nature. So he sees this form that's just, like, like, Krishna's form is just majestic, so very beautiful, so very, like, sweet. Actually, here's, here's the one verse about Krishna's form. Madaram, madaram, asya vibho. So if you can repeat after me. Madaram, 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 madaram. asya vibho. Madaram Madaram Vadanam Madaram Madhu Gandhi Mridusmitam Etadoho Madaram 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 Sweet sweet is my sweet Lord's form. Sweeter still is his face so fair. But his honey scented. Gentle smile. Is sweet beyond compare. He gets four sweets for the smile. Madhu Gandhi. Gandhi means fragrance. You probably heard this name before. And so, Krishna says, this form of mine that you are now seeing, this two-arm form, is very difficult to behold. Not just, he's not hard to see, to look at, but to get the opportunity to see him is very hard. Even demigods are ever seeking the opportunity to see this form, which is so dear. The form which you're seeing with your transcendental eyes cannot be understood simply by studying the Vedas, nor by undergoing serious penances, nor by charity, nor by worship. It is not by these means that one can see me as I am. My dear Arjuna, only by undivided devotional service, by this yoga of love, bhakti yoga that we're talking about, can I be understood as I am standing before you and thus can be seen directly 
Only in this way can you enter into the mysteries of my understanding. My dear Arjuna, he who is engaged in my pure devotional service is free from contamination of fruitive activities and mental speculation. He who works for me and makes me the supreme goal of his life and he who is friendly to every living entity, he certainly comes to me. So he says, he talks about devotion unto to God, this him, the supreme, and also being friendly to every living entity. What is the golden rule? Treat others as you want to be treated. He who has the gold rules. <laughs> yeah, you got it. But that's the new golden rule now. So you find that same message that like Jesus Christ said, love thy Lord with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and love thy neighbor as one you know, as yourself. So it's that's actually what you would call eternal religion. The other baggage that you know it's my club the other club you know that some things that you, if you really investigate and don't just don't seem divine you'll find oftentimes that that's that's human imposition that the, the true message was you know that one love thy lord with all their heart on the one so any questions What do, you, what do you think about all this? Any reflections? Uh, what I got from the gift shop. Mm -hmm. The similarities in like most stories, so I'm just like trying to like process everything. No. Uh, it's awesome. Okay. And it resonates well. Um, I'm lost at words, <laughs> but it's 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 amazing, really, just getting this perspective because you know being raised a certain condition my whole life then getting this perspective really just opens my eyes to all the different layers well i'm glad to be of service any, any reflections um also what they said so i saw a lot of similarities but also like it's a new way of thinking that i like you know it's just something else that's kind of like wow i didn't know that but it makes sense so there is a, um, this kind of, this last verse kind of leads into uh, a verse from the seventh chapter where Krishna says, Naham Prakasha Sarvasya. Prakash means shown or manifest. He says, Naham, not, I'm not revealed to everyone. Yoga Maya Samavrita, I'm covered by my Maya, my illusion. Because um, the idea is that the souls that are here are here because they don't want to be of service. So he doesn't force his the awareness of him on anybody. Um, but the soul that's eager to, wait, wait, is there something beyond this reality? Is there something else? Then they begin to see things that others may not be able to see. Like in the Matrix, somebody said, "Wait, something's not right here. I don't. I, I, you all think everything's fine, but I see something's not right." Um, so, it could be like two fish in the water, and one fish is saying, "There's this thing called water. It's everywhere. It's in my gills. I feel it." And the other fish says, "You're crazy. I, I don't know what you're talking. I don't see any water." which is water. And he's like, no, no, it's everywhere. 
And so Krishna says, uh, and in relation to that, there's another verse where he says, Yeyatam mam prapadyante tamsataiva bhajamyaham. According to how one approaches me, I reward, I respond to them accordingly. So somebody says there is no God, then he's like, okay, I won't be I won't be there. You won't see any actually I'll give you arguments from within your heart against my own existence. Because I'm even behind intelligence. I'm the director of intelligence. You have the desire, but I have the I'm the one that's directing the intelligence. You're just you're just like on a taxi cab and I'm making the movements happen. You know? So you desire to be atheistic, I will support you in that endeavor. Or someone says, God is that light, you know, the you know the train. He said, Okay, you'll see me that way. But you won't get the the personal touch that someone who's approaching me that you no, know, God is a person and I want to reciprocate with him as a person. Then you, if you're saying I'm not a person, then I won't interact in a personal way to you, which is much harder because you might it'd be easier if you have there is a supreme person that's got your back, you know, that's going to help you out in difficult situations. Uh, oftentimes, there are stories of yogis that approach God in an impersonal way, and when they were tested by their own desires, they felt victim to you know lust or envy. Because they're just relying on their own strength. Where the, the yogis that had the kind of personal approach, they had that, you know, kind of personal help. And they were able to overcome various uh, tests and obstacles in their spiritual life. So the person who, yeah, he, he responds to the person's approach. Any reflections? My buddy there? Like he, uh, our friend here, he's got you he got the Nishingadev tattoo, isn't it? Or on your. Oh, okay. Yeah, he. You don't have the Nishingadev tattoo. Okay. Yeah, my husband has a tattoo. Okay. So the, um, there's there is a boy who had um, his father was not only very atheistic, but he was a very powerful being, and he he became very upset that his son was a lover of God. And. He, he tried to kill the son, but the son couldn't, he was always protected. He just, nothing, nothing worked. The poison didn't work. You know, the mafia, concrete feet in the ocean thing didn't work. Um, you know, pit of snakes didn't work. And he was only five years old. And this evil guy was trying to kill his five-year-old son. And then uh, he said, where do you get your power? And he said, same place you do, Dad. God. He's like, where is your God? He's like, He's everywhere. He said, he's right there in the pillar. He said, yep. And the guy smashed the pillar, and then out of the pillar came this ferocious form of God and fought the guy. Because <laughs> he's eager to, like, he said, yeah, he said, I'm in that pillar, so I guess I'll go there. Because <laughs> he had so much devotion, the Lord's like, I better go there. <laughs> I better be there. He said I was there. <laughs> and he appeared, and he, and he uh, saved the boy. And, uh, and the father... Yeah, four lifetimes later became a saint. So I think we're I think we're ready. Yeah? Does it look ready in the kitchen? They're working on it. Working on it. Looks like they're 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 just about ready.
Any other reflections? Anything that, what, what sounded? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize the universe was formed with material. Material? Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, it's the universe. The universe is material. It's sometimes called an imaginary form. It's kind of... Um, it's kind of like the shadow of the Supreme. It's not necessarily... It's like a... It's a partial realization. Because the, the actual divine form is it's not material. It's not made out of material things. Things that get old and stale because spirit is ever fresh. Like for example, you are the same spiritual being and your body that you have now, every cell is probably only about seven years old at max. But the you, you know, you've been around, you know, walking around Texas or United States for whatever, for you know, 20, 30 years. So the soul is ever fresh. Even if you get, you have a body that's 70 years old, 80 years old, uh, you speak to somebody who is 80 years old, they say, I feel like the same person. My body just doesn't cooperate. I feel like that same kid that wants to run up the stairs, but the, I know the body, if I do that, I'm just going to fall on my face. <laughs> you know, there's a whole uh, documentary about that on like, PBS the other night. I was oh, really? My dad, and there, the guy who was like 80 years old, and he was like in a, a cross-country type dude, and like a triathlon, right? Uh. And he's like 92. And he's like, but I, I'm doing better than the guys that are 20s. Like, I feel the exact same. And then they have scientists go in and say, well, his bones are constantly changing. And because he's staying active, like, you know, his cells are a little slower, but they're the exact, doing the same thing, regenerating. And none of his body is the same, even though he's like 92. And I was just like, this is reincarnation right here. Like, this is but, uh, you know, you've heard of like Bragg's. You go to Whole Foods and you bra Bragg's liquid amino. See, he was doing that when he was 92 also. He had a whole philosophy that uh, salt is, is um, bad. He had his own, like, everybody Everybody ha has an idea how they're going to escape death. Um, but happy death day comes for everyone. <laughs> but um, um, there actually, so yesterday there was a Swami in the, in the restaurant visiting. He's, um, and he was talking about a student of his, a disciple of his, who was, she was dying. And she was unconscious, and she was dying, and then she came back to consciousness, which was not, said not to be possible. You know, she came back to consciousness right before she died. She said, Maraj, this is the best death I've had, death I've ever had in all my lives." And then she died <laughs> because um, in the East, it's described uh, that's actually a very that's the most important day of your life is. What you meditate, what's what's what your what is culminated in your consciousness at the time of death, because that go, that decides where you go. You take birth again because you're still you know holding on to so many things, or you're really attached to the divinity, then you go to the divine and go to God. What where where you're you're maybe you're so attached to your house, you become a mouse in the house, and then the kids are chasing you, trying to you know hit you with the shoe or something, you know. So what about someone that like was unconscious and after so many weeks came back to life? Yeah, yeah. The, um, it's described that uh, the uh, coma situations is sometimes that the so hu humans are not the top of the chain. Like just like you are have vast amount of intelligence and ability compared to an ant. There are beings in this universe 
that have greater lifespans and um, greater influence and powers and abilities than humans called angels or demigods. And sometimes they're kind of there, get a, a case where they're not sure what, where that, what that person is supposed to be. So oftentimes that person just be unconscious for some time. They're not exactly sure where, where um, you know, what's the, where their karma should go. You know, should they remain in this body? Should they move to their next body? You know? They're having some meetings there. What what I what I think sounds cool, but I, but I, I'm not. See, if I was a if I was completely elevated and had no material uh, consciousness, then I would have a true understanding of what I really am naturally attracted to. But I like the cowherd boy stuff, like hanging out with Christians, your bro, and you're having fun, and you and you you know, it's like Peter Pan adventures all day long, just like you know fighting you know wrestling with Krishna and he does a, he's a hero and he, like, there's some monster coming he fights him and, he, and it's all adventurous but um, so our true identity is kind of being filtered through our material consciousness and our, our, our um, this is one thing like uh, all of us are probably quite familiar with Christianity not to harp on Christianity but there's the there's idea that at your very essence you are bad, isn't it? You're bad. You are sinful by nature. And you need uh, to be baptized because you were born with sin. You're born. Yeah. Somebody, one of your grandparents did something bad, and it's your fault. You're bad. And. And then if you're by nature bad, then you shouldn't do anything to improve yourself. Because that is you, your very nature. Isn't it? Like, like if you have character flaws, and you think that this is me, then there's no idea of growth. Or regeneration. Because that is you. Where these Vedic ideas that you are actually pure by nature. Your actual spiritual nature is, is completely divine. But you have uh, taken on or adopted or become identified with the material body and its conditioned nature for after many, many lifetimes. And so you find that the character of very saintly persons are very, that's wonderful because they've cleansed away that filter and let the true light shine through. Like you what if you paint blue on one of these light bulbs? The white light, how many colors is in white light? All rainbows there, and you thick prism, there's so many colors. But when you put the blue paint on it, then all of that becomes filtered down to one. So the true nature of the soul is being covered by the subtle body and the gross body. The subtle body is the, the intellectual astral body, intellectual mental astral body. And so, the true nature, our tr- we, we, like, we may think, I like Coca-Cola, or, but that's just our conditioned nature. We saw this commercial so many times when we're young, or I like, you know, 
I like this or I like that. That's our conditioned nature. Underneath that is we have uh, our true nature. I think we're ready now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hare Krishna. Well, next time we'll tell you. Uh, well, next time we have uh, a PhD monk, uh, Dr. Keshavanand Prabhu from India, a traveling Indian PhD monk. Very cool. And then, um, and then we have a class called Happy Death Day. Um, after uh, a week after that, by return Happy Death Day. Oh, happy day. Yeah, and I'm working on a picture of it. It's a skull with a birthday princess uh, crown. And um, so, thank you very much. Thank you for your kind so attention. What's the rest of the acronym for chapter twelve? Oh, uh, chapter twelve. There's the the R is for the request. Um, um, Universal form. Okay. U. P is for the prayers of Arjuna. And then the la A is for the armed form. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. There, I have a book of it. I can share it with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Hare Krishna. Thank you.